don't pray for patience. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever heard that? Um, don't pray for patience. Um, why not? Because God will give it to you. God will give it to you. And, and so that's why we hear that. But when I hear that, it kind of makes patience sound like a bad thing, right? Um, don't pray for patience because God's going to give it to you. And it's like, well, I thought I was supposed to be patient. Um, I know I grow up, um, you know, my mom would uh, sometimes tell me to be patient, sometimes with her words, sometimes with the back of her hand, you know, what have you. And, and so I, it's, I thought it was something that I'm supposed to seek, that I'm supposed to pursue. So should we want to be patient or not? Does God want us to be patient or not? That's the real question. And so to answer that, we need to start with what patience is. Um, and so to answer this, I turn to two sources. One, I turn to the dictionary, right? Webster, it says this, that it's the capacity, the habit, or fact of bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint. And, and I hear that and I become um, very aware that I'm not patient at all. Uh, I just, I, I don't possess it. And then I'm also aware that I, I know many of you, you're not patient either. I, I hear you um, all the time complaining. Some of you that I preach too long and you need to really lean in tonight. That's what this is really about. Um, so again, to calmly, um, to calmly bear pains and trials without complaint. Patience in the Bible is this, the ability to endure difficult people and situations without giving into anger or giving up hope. And so the short answer is this, that the patience is endurance. The ability to endure. And, and we know this, that the, the world is broken, right? It's messed up, that, that we're going to encounter people that we don't like, that we don't want to listen to, we don't want to talk to, and we're going to have to endure, right? To be patient. Um, we're going to come in situations um, with, with our job, with our finances, with our children, with our spouses, that, that we're going to have to endure to, to push through. So we have to learn to be patient. And, and the reason we're told not to pray for patience is because the thought is then God going to bring these trials and, and we're going to have to, to bear through them. Another way to say patience is this long suffering. That, that's, that's what it is. But the truth of the matter is whether we pray for it or not, we're going to find ourselves in situations to grow in it. That, that's just the reality. Um, because again, we're going to encounter all of those things we don't want to encounter. Um, and, and truth be told, you're not going to get your way all the time. And if you don't get your way all the time, then what do you got to do? You got to endure, right? And so we need to grow in patience. And so when everything's going our way, patience is real easy. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but if, if you get what you want, when you want, enduring life is an easy task. But it's the moment we're offended. Um, and offense can come in lots of ways, right? Somebody can cut us off or be going slow in traffic. And, and that's an offense that tests our patience. Um, somebody could be talking too slowly. Um, maybe God's just not giving you what you want fast enough. Um, to speak to anybody right there. You know, you pray for it. You pray for it. God, why, why aren't you dealing with this? Um, I think that's probably the, the area I struggle the most. Um, I've come to accept the fact that um, people kind of suck sometimes. I don't know if I can say that, but it's true, right? They're hard. They're, they're difficult. But the area I really struggle these days is, is I don't understand why God doesn't give me everything I want when I want it. You know, I, I pray for him to do this work in me. And it's like, God, why aren't you prying this from my hands and, and molding me and shaping me into the husband and father that, that I'm praying for you to be? God, I'm, I'm praying for financial blessings. Why do I still struggle to pay my bills? And, and why do I find myself in these situations? That's the real test of my patience that I find. It's the things that I'm seeking God for. And I'm so ticked off that he won't give me. 
And we have to begin to, again, to learn to endure, to long suffer through those seasons because God's got something for us in it. And the, the truth be told that we're missing something there. If we're trying to rush through it and get the prize at the end immediately, then, then we're missing the things that God has for us in between, the growth, right? Uh, we're, we're missing the message that he has for us, the lesson that there's, there's something there that, that we can't just um, pass, you know, go and, and get to the end and collect the $200. It doesn't work that way. Um, we have to, again, to be patient. And tonight's message is titled this, Unchained from Impatience. And so we're continuing our series, Unchained, um, learning to, to break the, the chains of captivity that the world has placed on us or that we've uh, allowed the world to place on us that keep us tethered to these things that are unhealthy in our life. And, and tonight we want to be unchained from impatience. And um, what I want to talk about is dealing with the culture of impatience that we fall into in society. And, and what I mean by that is we've become a society, a people, that, that's incapable, incapable of enduring hardships. I see it time and time again. Uh, people want to quit immediately. And when I say that, um, sometimes that's me too. I'm not exempt to this. Um, that, that we face something difficult and we just want to throw our hands up and quit. Um, and it's, it's because, again, we've become a participation trophy generation. I finished some people with a story about my son a few weeks ago. I just felt the energy suck from the room as you guys wanted to call DHS. I just swear. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but that's what's happened. Because we've given everybody a prize, um, because we live in this, this fast food culture, right, where we can just go down the road, and, and if they take more than six minutes to make my chicken nuggets, man, I'm burning this down, you know, um, and doing those things, right? We, we've become that culture, and so we have no patience. We have no ability to endure. Um, we don't know how to, to stick it out to save our lives, and, and it just continues um, to get worse and worse. I see it in relationships all the time. I counsel people, and they're like, well, I just, I just can't get along with my spouse. And it's like, how long have you guys been fighting? It's been like three days. Should I get divorced? No. Like, man, it's, no, it's fine. Just, just continue. It's going to be great. Um, you know, or, you know, just whatever it is. And, and we just want to throw our hands up. Kids are difficult. So we immediately shove a tablet in their face and say, go sit in the corner because we couldn't bear 30 minutes of them asking us questions or this, that, and the other. And we become a culture because at every turn, it's about our convenience. It's about our pleasure. Everything is geared and designed to speak to that. So we have a complete inability to be patient in, in anything. And so we have to, to relearn this and, and we have to realize that, that culture isn't doing us any favors. In fact, it's working counter to what God has for us. God so often in, in the Bible, when we look at these stories, and I hate to say stories because they're historical accounts, when we see it, God could move in an instance, but, but he doesn't. Why not? Because he's growing people. It's not just about him doing what he wants, but it's about him doing it through us in a way that grows us into the people he's called us to be, right? He, he's raising up leaders. He's raising up warriors. He's raising up people of God that, that learn to depend on him and trust him. And, and culture works counter to that because we, we think that we deserve everything immediately. And that includes when it comes to the things of God. And so we have to, again, unchain ourselves from impatience. Romans 
5, 3 through 4. Um, this isn't in your notes. Um, I'll be honest, I was dragging my feet on the message. So um, the main stuff's in here, um, but uh, you'll have to look some of this up for yourself tonight. Um, Romans 5, 3 through 4 says this, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance. This is not the attitude that we have in, in our culture, right? Rejoice when we run into problems because they develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. What? It develops us as a people. And so you, you think that if, if culture is just designed for us to avoid any type of problem or any type of trial or situation, and that's what we're geared toward, just avoiding any pain is disruption of all. The thing that we miss out on the most is the strengthening of our character. And this character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You see how those things play out. And then what happens, because we, we've done this to ourselves, that when it comes to the things of God, not, not only do we want to abandon these hardships and quit on life, we want to quit on God too. Well, I prayed about it. Well, how many times? Once. And God's, God's not there. He doesn't care. He's indifferent. And so we begin to abandon him. We begin to abandon our faith. We begin to abandon our hope. And we become more and more lost as a people in a generation, as a society. And we drift farther and farther from the things of God. When we've got to learn to lean into the hardships. God didn't break the world we did. But in its brokenness, he has something there for us. Something that he'll leverage to grow us and to grow our dependence on him. James 1.12 says this, God blesses those who patiently endure, say endure, endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, say afterwards. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life God has promised to those who love him. I mean, this passage is talking about salvation and our hope of eternity, um, but the message applies to so much more of our life, right? That sometimes what God has for us is after enduring the hardship, but we skip the hardship. Well, when we skip the hardship, we... We skip the prize at the end, right? What God had for us, the development, the growth. We go through life without any type of, of skills. Um, I know me, um, my personal story, I started getting high when I was 12. Um, and so I went through my, my teenage years uh, on drugs. I went through my 20s as an alcoholic. And, and that was my coping mechanism for any type of difficult situation. And so then I become a 30-year-old. And you know what I can't do? I can't process my emotions, and I'm acting like a 12-year-old at 30 because I skipped all the hardship with pills, drugs, and a bottle of booze, and therefore I missed out on the growth. Well, that applies to so much. I mean, so much of our life, when we try to skip over the thing we're supposed to patiently endure, we miss out on the growth and the development. And when we miss out on the growth and development, we miss out on who God's called us to be. We've got to stop running from these things. Life's hard. It's difficult. God's got something for you in the middle of it. Tonight, as I teach, I want, I want to focus primarily on, on the book of Matthew, chapter 14. And in one story in particular, we're going to start in verse 22 in just a moment. But before I get there, I want to give some context. Jesus, right before what we're going to look at, had just spent the day with his disciples ministering to people, thousands of them. 
thousands of them. And as the evening um, grew um, and, and people began to grow tired and hungry, they were faced with the dilemma. They needed to feed all of these people. And so this is where we get the story of the feeding of the 5,000 um, with uh, the loaves and the fish. And so, I mean, it was like 18,000 people that's kind of speculated that were possibly fed here that Jesus fed all of them. So that, that's what had just taken place. An incredible miracle, right? An incredible move of God. And then in verse 22, we say this, immediately after this, after what? After the feeding of the 5,000. Immediately after that, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. And so what has taken place? Jesus fed the 5,000. He has his disciples with them. Um, it kind of comes time for this work to take place. And it, it's kind of peculiar because Jesus sends them all away. He sends them all away to get back in the boat across the lake. And he's going to spend some time alone praying. And that's what takes place. Um, and then it goes on. It says, meanwhile, say meanwhile. Meanwhile, well, meanwhile what? Meanwhile, like Jesus is sending people home. Meanwhile, he's praying. Meanwhile, he's alone. So while Jesus is doing these things, this is what's taking place with them. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. And so Jesus is spending time with his father, right? He's about his father's business. And simultaneously, his disciples, you know, the ones that he loved. We see John describe himself that. You know, John, the disciple that Jesus loved, clearly he's not indifferent to their well-being. He cares about them. But Jesus is doing this, and, and they find themselves in the middle of a hardship and a storm. And, and when we read this, it's talking about a very real and physical storm, but man, we can speculate and we can contrast this to the things that we go through in our own lives. And so meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, not, not only are they fighting heavy waves, um, but they become terrified. And, and these, we can see different accounts, parallel accounts, but these disciples, several of them were fishermen, right? They grew up on the sea. They were no stranger to, to high waves and storms on the water, um, but they find themselves in this situation. It says about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. Say terrified. 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 In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. And so when you're in a season of struggle, point number one is this. You need to begin to look for the presence of God. Because uh, the disciples, they weren't looking for, for God at the moment, right? They, they were very concerned and very focused on the situation they were in. And, and in their mind, Jesus was nowhere to be found, right? He was, he was far from them. Last they knew, they left Jesus on shore, right? Possibly without a boat or even a way um, towards them. And they find themselves in the middle of this storm. And, and they're so focused on what's taking place around them that even as God begins to show up and move, right? Because Jesus is God in a body. Even as he comes to them walking on the water, their focus is so distracted, so off of him that they don't even recognize him at first. And they cry out, it's a ghost. But we've got to look for the presence of God. In Matthew 20, 14, 27, it says, but Jesus spoke to them at once. So they said, it's a ghost. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Take courage. Say, take courage. 
take courage, I'm here. So often we find ourselves in situations and we just assume that Jesus is off doing something else, right? That God's too busy to be in the middle of this, that he must be absent. Sometimes we assume this, if the storm's taking place, he must not be there, right? Because bad things don't happen in the presence of God, right? We don't experience hardship. That's kind of the lie that we tell ourselves, that if something's taking place, God can't be there because if God was here, it would be perfect. I know when I came into faith, one of the lies that I told myself was that I'm gonna give my life to the Lord, right? And, and my addiction's gonna go away immediately. I'm no longer gonna be a butthole to the people around me and mistreat them, right? And, and, and everything's gonna be just great. I'm gonna have all the money I need. My bills are gonna be paid. Um, and you know what I discovered? I lied to myself. None of those things happen. I'm still a butt to this day, man. It's been like 10 years. I don't know when God's gonna deal with that. But even in the middle of this, even in the middle of things I still face today, the presence of God can be found. But, but we have to begin to look for him. And if we're so focused on what's taking place around us, the, the storm, the mess, we miss the presence of God with us. And the disciples looked and they completely missed it. But Jesus said, take courage, I am here. It reminds me of Deuteronomy 31.6. We see the, the, the nation of Israel, right? They're heading to the promised land and they'd been out there for 40 years. You talk about being impatient. I can't wait four minutes for things sometimes. I can't imagine 40 years in the wilderness waiting on the promise of God. Um, but that's what the situation they found themselves in. And then the generation had died off. Moses had died off. And Joshua was taking charge. And this was what the Lord said to him. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid and do not not panic before them for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you and he will never fail you nor abandon you. The disciples missed this. And the truth of the matter is I miss this because I find myself in situations, I find myself in seasons where I just assume he's not there, but the promise of God is he'll go before me. He goes before me when I'm going where he wants me to go, first off, right? So if you're following your own will, not his, you may find yourself kind of ahead of him in a weird way. But, but you got to go. He goes before us. Like If he's sending you in that direction, he's went there. He's paved the way, right? We got to be heading with him. But the promise for all of us is this, that, that we call ourselves Jesus followers, that, that call ourselves Christians, that lean into him and trust him and make him Lord. He, he will never abandon us, right? He, he goes before us. He'll never fail you. He'll never abandon you. But we've got to look for the presence of God in the middle of our struggles and our storms. Know that he's there. But if we're impatient, if we rush through it, we may miss it. And we may get to the other side and convince ourselves that God didn't care. We may convince ourselves that he wasn't there, that he wasn't trying to do something because we become so self-centered and self-focused or, or focused on all of this that we, we rush through the trial. We rushed through the hardship and this left Jesus standing on the water like, I came for him. Where'd he go? Where'd they go? We got to look for the presence of God. Let's look at verse 28 as we continue. Verse 28, it says, then Peter called to him, called to who? Called to Jesus on the water. So then Jesus, or Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, I still didn't trust him. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. I want you to 
Just pause on that a moment. We're going to come back to that. But, but what was Jesus' response? Yes, come. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. And so Peter in this moment, you know, he leaps out of the boat and the Bible says that he walked on the water, but, but the reality, the reality is that, that Peter walked on the word. He walked in the word of Jesus. Jesus said, yes, come. And, and because it was the word of God, right, the word of God was spoke and said, you can come to me. You can get out of your boat. That's what Jesus said, right? If Jesus hadn't said it, Peter would have sank, right? That, that he said, we walked on the word. And so when we're in a season of struggle, in your suffering, trust the word over your worry. That, that Peter was able to focus on Jesus on that moment, take his eyes off the storm, trust the word of God, right? Trust Jesus. If Jesus said, come, Peter knew he could get out of the boat. He knew that he could get out there. And we have to trust the word of God over our worry. And verse 30, it says, but when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? In our lives, God has given us many promises. God, God has spoken to us. And you may be like, man, Pastor, and he's, he's never spoken to me. The, the Bible, you know, the one that I accuse you of, of just putting uh, on your coffee table and not reading, that's God's word, right? And God's word speaks about things that he's promised us in our lives and things that he'll do and ways that he'll move. And we have to begin to trust that, which means you're gonna have to read it. You're gonna have to open it up just a little bit, you know, right? Begin to, to spend time so you know what God said, so you know what he's spoken about, so you can trust it. So when you face hardships in your life, when you face situations and seasons, you can know God's got this. And you can know because you can trust his word over your worry. You know, when I was struggling in addiction, I knew God would free me from it. Why? God said he would. God said he would deal with these types of things in my life, right? That, that he would give me dominion over the sin of my life through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so I didn't have to be trapped in addiction forever. And, and you can know that too when you face those situations, right? God's promised us things. And when we begin to study his word, we can put those in action in our lives, right? We can speak them over our lives and our situations and we can trust them over our worry. But Peter... He took his eyes off the Lord. And, you know, in, in the beginning of John, it, it describes Jesus as the word, right? And in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Jesus, or Peter took his eyes off of the word. Took his eyes off of the word and he began to sink. He began to fail. And, and Jesus reached out and he said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? And when we take our eyes off the word of God, the promise of God, we begin to fail in our lives too. But if we remain focused on it, Things may not go the way you want all the time. Things may not play out the way that you think they should play out, but they'll be the way that God wants them to be, right? If we'll lean into him and lean in what he has to, for us. Hebrews 10, 35 through 36 says this, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive 
all that he has promised. Isn't that powerful? That, that when we trust God, when we patiently endure, when we pursue God's will, God's word that we can trust over our worry, over our situation, says we'll receive all that God's promised. We'll receive all that God's promised. But we've got to continue to seek him, pursue him, and trust him in all situations. Let's look at verse 32 as we begin to close. Matthew 14, 32 through 33, it says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. And so remember that God moves on his time, not ours. I find it incredibly interesting that Jesus waited until they're back in the boat, the place of, of safety that, that he didn't need before he stopped the storm. If I'm Peter, I just begin to sink, sink in the rough seas, right? I begin to, to go under the water and I find myself out there. I want Jesus to do something about it now, right? Like, I already had to walk out to you, bro. Like, <laughs> I don't want to walk back. Like, can't you make it smooth and easy as we head back to the boat? Jesus didn't do that. He waited till they're back in the boat. Then the wind stopped. Then the storm stopped. And we've got to remember that, again, that God moves on his time, not ours. There's so many things in my life that I wish he would do for me instantly, that, that I wish he would take away. I, I know that there were was, there was struggles in, in my life in particular with, with substance abuse and, um, and going through that season of, of growth that I, I wanted God to, to do this transformation on me instantly. And um, I love the way my, my wife puts it. Um, she, she says, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, you know, had, had God not walked you through it for the, the six years or, or whatever it was, you wouldn't have the foundation that you have now, right? Like, I, I trust God so much more today than I would if he had dealt with everything instantly, right? Because then God just would have been a genie. There's no trust there. There's no faith. He didn't, he didn't have to journey with me through hardship or tears, he just took it all away, but, but I trust God in a significant way because it was all through his timing. It, it, he did it all his way, right? He, he walked with me and, and journeyed with me through all of these things, growing me, right? Teaching me patience, teaching me endurance, which developed my character, which strengthened my hope in salvation, right? And, and in God's timing, I, I found that it's so much better than mine. If he gave me everything that I wanted, I would miss out on so much, I would, I would miss out on so much of him. It'd be all about me. It's not all about me. It's not about me at all. It's just about him. And then that's what I learned by trusting his time and journeying with him. And, and it says, when they climb back into the boat, the wind stopped. Because God moves on his time, not ours. Psalms 27, 14 says this, wait patiently for the Lord. Wait patiently for the Lord be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Long suffer. Long suffer for the things of God. Pray, seek, trust, endure. And then when that doesn't work out, pray, seek, Trust, 
endure. Because it's, it's God's time. It's not ours. If he doesn't show up immediately, it's not an excuse to give up. If, he doesn't, if you don't see him immediately, it doesn't mean that he's not there. Trust that he's moving. Trust that he's working. Trust that he's growing, that he's developing. In the middle of those hard seasons and hard situations, even if you've brought yourself to there outside of God's will, trust that he has something for you. Trust that he's going to do something. Romans 8.28 says God uses all things for his good, right? Even the things that we do outside of God's will. God, God will use it all, but we have to trust him, seek him, and endure through the hardships. I want us to do this. I want us to, just right where you are, I want you to, to take a moment. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to spend a moment with God, a moment where you let go of the desire to control the timing and the outcome of the season of life you're in. And, and I know this. I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're going through, but you do. Maybe it's a relationship. Uh, maybe it's the next season of life, right? The next move. It, it could be um, finances, new home, new job. I, I don't know. But, but I know this, that you're broken people just like me, and you want it before God wants to give it to you. you. You want him to move probably before he's ready to move. And so just spend a moment just letting go of those things. God, I thank you that in the middle of the madness and chaos of the storms of our lives, Lord, that, that you're there. You're not indifferent to what we go through. God, you're not indifferent to our struggles. In fact, Lord, you're, you're moving in them. And so I pray over each of us here tonight. God, I ask that that first and foremost, that you begin to reveal yourself to us. That we would have eyes for you. That we would have ears for you. We'd have hearts turned towards you. But we would seek you. No matter how painful or difficult the situation is, God, your presence is there. Help us to see it. And Father, as we see you, I pray that we would trust you. That we would trust that you're good. You were good yesterday. You'll be good today. You'll be good tomorrow. That you'll provide for us. <laughs> that you are our hope, our salvation. That every good and pleasing thing comes from you. God, that we would just trust you. That we would trust your word over any worry, anxiety, calamity, anything in our lives, Lord. That we would just trust you. And lastly, God, that we would understand that Things come in your time. And when we bring them about in ours, all we've brought is more storms, more hardships, more heartache. And so, Father, I pray that, that we would just learn to trust your timing because you're good, because you're faithful, because you're God. And I just thank you. God, I thank you for, I thank you for loving us and not being indifferent to what we go through. God, I thank you for journeying with us in all of our, our seasons and situations. 
guiding and directing us. Father, and I thank you for just the lives that are here tonight, the families that are represented. Lord, be good to them. Minister to them in whatever season of life they're in. And we thank you for this. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. To recap tonight, look for the presence of God. No matter how messed up things seem, how much you broke them, (laughs) no matter how big of a mess you made, God is present. He's there. Don't miss him. Don't rush past him. Don't fail to see what he has for you. Number two, trust the word over your worry. Trust God. Trust what he says. It's greater than anything, any hardship in our life, right? And number three, realize that God moves on his time, not ours. Thank goodness for that too. I can't even express how many terrible things that didn't happen in my life because God didn't make them happen on my time, right? I mean, he saves us. Um, Our action steps tonight. One, look at your season as an opportunity for endurance and growth. We've seen that in the beginning, right? Romans 5, 3 through 4, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that it helps us develop endurance. James 1, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life. So we need to look at our seasons as an opportunity for endurance and growth. Remember, endurance strengthens our character. Our character strengthens our hope of salvation. Grows us closer to the Lord. Number two, trust that God is working and moving in ways that you don't understand. I don't know about you. I'm grateful that I don't understand what God does. What an insignificant God if I could explain him, right? And, and I, I would know all the things that he'd know. That's just me. And I want a God that's bigger than me. So he's got to trust that he's working in ways you don't understand. And number three, seek to submit to his plan and his purpose. You know, when we're looking at Matthew, it's, it's, it's interesting that Jesus sent them ahead, right? Into the storm, into the middle of it. And God doesn't cause bad things to happen in our lives. Sometimes he may allow them, allow us to go through hardship. Why? Because it grows us. But we have to learn again to, to submit to his plan and purpose. Trust his timing, trust that he's moving. Trust God to be God. And so all of this, you know, and we we talk about unchaining ourselves from impatient, (laughs) being patient, right? To be able to to long suffer, to endure life's hardships, it it really starts with the relationship with Jesus. Um, You know, in Galatians, we see that, that patience is a fruit of the Spirit, that through God's Holy Spirit, He grows that in us, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And so the patience that we seek, right, comes through relationship with Jesus because the relationship with Jesus brings his spirit inside of us. And so if you're in here tonight, I want to encourage you that if if that's not you, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, that you've got to start there. That if you want to grow this in your life, it starts with submitting to him. And that's where we recognize that Jesus was the son of God, We realize we can't save ourselves. We realize that Jesus can. And we give everything to him. We make him Lord and trust him for our salvation. And so if that's you in here tonight, if you're ready to make Jesus Lord of your life, 
for the first time. Here in just a moment, we're going to have some people down front, and they would love to pray with you and for you and, and lead you into a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're in here tonight, and you've done that, but you've gotten off track. You, you allowed the storms of life to just drag you out to sea far from the things of God, and, and you're ready to come back home, and you want to know, can I do that? Absolutely. Our, my same offer stands that here in just a moment, we're going to have some people down front. If you'll step out of your seats, if you'll come down here, we will pray with you and for you so that you can recommit your life tonight. And then maybe there's just something that God's been dealing with you about, something that you've held on to, that you've worried about, that you just, you just need to let go of it. I want to encourage you to pick up a white chip. We have them down here at the table, and there's nothing significant about them, right? It's a piece of plastic, but there's something significant about when we act out of faith, when we stand up, walk down here, trusting and knowing that God's going to move in our situation. That's powerful. And so if there's something that you need to set down tonight, I want to encourage you to come pick up a white chip. And then lastly, maybe you just need prayer. You just want to know, is there, is there somebody that will pray with me tonight? I've got this situation going on and, and I, don't wanna, I don't know what to do. I just need to seek God. Is there somebody that'll do that with me? Absolutely. We would love to pray with you. And so for any of those things tonight, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip or just to receive prayer, I wanna encourage you to step out of your seat and come down front and join us. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.